I'm Mark Mosley. I own a pest control company in London. I've had that for six years. Before that, I was a former soldier and security specialist. And I was recently on the TV show, The Apprentice. And why did you start that particular business going from, like you said, the army background and military background, and you started that business, then went on to The Apprentice? Like, how did that all happen? It seems like three very like unique things. Yeah, I mean, they do actually intertwine in some ways. But the reason I went into pest control is a friend I was in the military with who actually met um, in 99 when walking through basic training camp gates. He was from Hull. I was from um, Nor Norwich. And uh, yeah, when he left the military, he was a firefighter. On his days off, he did pest control. So when I left the um, security world, uh, he said to me, do you want to try and do a bit of pest control. I did it for a bit and I enjoyed it more than being an electrician because I was an electrical um, trade by based, based uh, tradesman. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, you get little wins helping out, you know, Mrs. Smith down the road with her mice and the money's not too bad as well if you get into the um, corporate world. So that's why I went into uh, pest control all because of a friend and I realized it was quite lucrative. Do you, do you think you've always had that that feeling of just wanting to do your own thing? Like with the, I, I, I guess it's sort of a contradiction in a way, perhaps. Maybe the military is like the complete opposite of that. But do you feel like you just wanted to do something slightly different and unique to what everyone else was doing? Do you think you've always had that in you? Um, I mean, it can be quite lonely being, you know, uh, owning your own company and you've not really got too many people to speak to. Whereas, yes, you're right. It's the complete opposite to the military where you've got a group of soldiers and you basically uh, are living uh, day to day in amongst them. And you've got this such a strong bond, um, which is fantastic. Um, so it is a little bit opposite in that. But yeah, in some ways, if you can create a good team uh, like you can in a company, you get this um, sense of well-being, which is fantastic. You're giving jobs to people. Um, but yeah, I do miss the military because you miss that sort of command. Um, yeah, sort of brotherhood and uh, yeah, companionship and things like that. And yeah, that's the one thing you miss about the military. You ask anyone who leaves the military, uh, I say, do you miss it? And you say, you miss the people. You don't miss the military so much, the regime, but you miss the people. What did what did you learn from that then? Like specifically in the context of of being an entrepreneur now, what did you learn from that military experience that has enabled you to be a better entrepreneur, perhaps, or just something that sort of stayed with you? Um, I think it's been um, trying to remain calm in pressurized situations. That's the main thing because when you start any business, you are going to see a lot of money go out of the bank account before anything start coming in. And it's just trying to have that consistency to be level-headed, know that the process is going to work, and then yeah, believe in what you're doing. So that's the one thing that was the hardest for me, um, starting a business. But I knew, like the military, there's a methodical program. I'd written a business plan. I knew exactly each stage and what each month was going to uh, produce. And it did. Um, so you just follow that, um, basically, business plan or sort of the military uh, lifestyle used to lead, being regimented. And that helped me massively um, when starting a business. So I have a lot to thank for the military. What would you say is your best moment when it comes to the business like has it has it been exciting for you like I guess coming from a, a military background and like I, I've had it before when I speak to professional athletes like no, it seems like nothing can truly match that adrenaline rush and that energy that they got from the military from the uh the boxing the sporting world whatever it is like have you been able to match that excitement and adrenaline with what you do now no we're not not, not, not at all I mean I spoke to a professional footballer only uh, last week actually 
And we both spoke about the same things, the highs. We're all trying to, you know, get that next high, if you like. Yeah. He, when he was playing for a professional football club, you know, in the FA Cup final and things, he was said that was his high. And you're around these like-minded people, same as in the military. You go on operations, you go, go through things that other people just wouldn't go through. And that was the fantastic high. The only thing that I could probably say would come close to it now is winning a big contract. You win a big contract with a, a firm and that gives you the bit of the high, but... It's not um, as rewarding, let's say, as going out and doing an operational tour for six months, um, living in each other's pockets, all the soldiers, and then coming back as long as everyone's not hurt. And uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the big high. Whereas now, I think the only sort of high you get is winning a big contract, which is still fine. But like professional sportsmen, you know, they're always trying to chase that next high. Sometimes in the military, we used to call it feeding the rats. What's the next time we need to feed that rat? Um, and I've got friends who work in security now and there's some in Ukraine as we speak. And uh, that's them feeding that rat. They're trying to feed that next um, high. So that was like me going on to The Apprentice. I went on to the TV show The Apprentice just to get that next high. It wasn't to look for fame or fortune. It was basically just to get that next high. And I got it. And this year has been fantastic with the show being on. And uh, the high is now sort of starting to come down slowly. It, am I right? And how did that come about? Am I right in saying you was just sitting on the set one day and watching The Apprentice and thought, you know what, I'll give that a go? Yeah, that was exactly it, basically. I'd done the ankle playing football down in Brixton. I used to play every Thursday night. And uh, the following week, I thought, oh, I won't risk my ankle. So I sat and watched an episode of The Apprentice. I knew of it and I'd watched little bits and bobs, but it wasn't really my sort of TV. And when it came at the end, Lord Sugar's finger pointed down the camera and said, if you want to be my next business partner give it a go. So I thought, you know what, I'll give that a go tomorrow morning. And then they asked me for an audition at the weekend, went down into central London, did the audition. I knew I was going to get through that stage just by being a cheeky chappy. And then, yeah, three months later, they said, right, you're in the house. So I got a phone call when I was in Sri Lanka on holiday. And they wow. said, you need your business plan in uh, two and a half weeks. I said, well, I've got two weeks on holiday. They said, well, you've got half a week to get your business plan in then. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so uh, that was panic stations and I uh, managed to get it in. And then yeah, had a great sort of eight weeks, you know, on the show, and it was fantastic. What what would you what would you say you learnt from the audition? Like, and could you give advice to anyone that was planning to go to the Apprentice audition or anything of that caliber? Because I I went three times to the audition in London. And really? Yeah, it was a complete mix every single time. One time I was in there for literally coming up to seven hours. I was in there. So I did. Yeah. Then the next time I went back, I thought right got all my food in my bag. I'm ready to go. I was in there for seven minutes. Literally, they called my name. I did the first task and then went straight out. And I was like, no, I feel like there's another level I'm supposed to go to. They was like, nah, not today. I was like, damn it. So yeah, it's complete well, mismatch. So it's hard to it's hard to sort of say what to expect. But can you share some light on sort of anyone looking to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, you must have a credible business uh, or credible business idea. And I think, firstly, they want characters. They want entertainers because it's got to be an entertaining show. Yeah. Secondly, that's when it starts coming down to the business side of things. But I met a guy who was stood next to me in the queue. In fact, when I was in the queue, some old boy went past me. He must have been about 70 years of age, and he was going to be auditioning. And he walked out up the queue, and he pointed at me and went, you're going to be on the show. And he walked on. And later on, I see him going through the first audition. I don't know why he pointed at me and said, you're going to be on the yeah. show. Anyway, he never got through, obviously, because he was about 70. But... Um, <laughs> I think the thing you've got to do is just be quite, yeah, confident. There was a guy in my audition, he had a suitcase with him. Apparently he was going to perform some tricks. Wow. Um, and I was like, what's that for, mate? He says, oh, when they get through up the stages, um, I'm going to do a juggling trick. <laughs> anyway, 
we did the first bit. There was 20 of us stood around bits of paper. And they said, right, and I think it was number 14. They said, number 14, step forward, you've got 30 seconds. Why should you be Lord Sugar's next business partner? And I just stepped forward and said, right, everyone, pin your ears back. You are looking at the Series 17 Apprentice winner. The reason I'm going to win is because I'm opinionated and I'm a little bit of a charmer, as you can all see, and it got a laugh. And then the two girls at the front, they picked out like 14, 3, 1, and 6. Can you go to the back of the room? The rest of you stay where you are. And matey with his suitcase, <laughs> he stood there. And I thought, well, maybe that's me gone then. And anyway, <laughs> that was him. So we had to go all the way back to Oxford. We no doubt juggling balls up to Oxford. So that was quite funny. But uh, yeah, but I, I was there for eight hours. And in the end, they they threw me out into this lift. It was like a uh, a service lift. It was all made of wood at right the back of the ring. And I thought, oh, I must have been booted out last sort of minute because some girl in there, she said, oh, there's one more level after this one. I was like, you're joking. I've been here eight hours already. And I was I walked out at one stage. I've been in the top bit for about four hours. I said, that's it. Everyone's jumping in front of me because they've got to get trains back to Manchester and things. I said, I'm going. So I walked off to the lift with a runner and then some guy ran out and went, Mark, Mark, you're next. You're next, I promise. And I was like, all right, go on in. And that was it. And that was, I got on. So um, yeah, so it was sort of fate, if you like. What, what did you actually like learn from the actual experience of being on the show? Like, do you, do you think it was... Like, did you aim to get something from it or like, what was your sort of, um, what was you expecting and what do you think, how it, how it matched up to your expectations? Does that make sense? Do you yeah. think you fulfilled it? Um, what I was expecting, I wasn't expecting fame and fortune. That was, that was one thing that I wasn't expecting. Um, I think it was again, feeding that adrenaline high. That was the main thing. And I didn't really need Lord Sugar's money or anything. I just wanted his black book. Um, so he's got a lot of properties in London and if I really looked after the pest control for all these properties, I think that'd do quite nicely. But um, yeah, the show taught me um, how resilient you can be because we had long days. We were getting up at three, four every morning. We were getting in the house at 11, 12 and then three, four hours sleep and you were going again. And granted, not all of that is work related, but it's it's a lot of pressure. And um, I think I just learned that I was one of the most chilled characters there. So I, when everyone was arguing and fighting, you'll never see me on camera putting anyone down. I did it in the first episode with one of the candidates. And I thought, this isn't me. So I never put anyone down after that. They're called Vox Pops, where they pull you to the side and they go, right. And they try and goad you. They go, right, uh, so-and-so has just done this. And they said this about you. And I was like, oh, do you know what? That's their opinion. That's fine. I think we're doing well. And then that was it. But what I learned, I just learned how resilient the body is. Uh, and sleep deprived that you can still manage to function so that was the biggest thing i took away and how um, you mentioned there uh, lord sugar's black book how important is it do you think it is to be connected in the business world do you think you can you can make it uh, make a success of yourself without those connections do you think you need to 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 go out there and really connect with people on like a personal level to get somewhere in the business world yeah, I mean, I, I think you definitely need to have connections without a doubt, whether you make connections. And I think the best way to make connections is by networking, going to networking groups. I mean, I was really, I didn't really like public speaking. So I used to go down to Waterloo Station. Uh, there's a little place near there on a Monday night, sort of twice a month. And you stand on a stage. Well, you don't, you can just listen to other people stand on a stage and just talk. They can talk about themselves, but it just gives them confidence by that was one thing but even going to that i started meeting people who own businesses and have to do public speaking so i think the best thing you do do without a doubt have to have connections um otherwise you're just gonna be sat in your you know flat like i could be now on the phone and if you don't meet no one you need affiliates to get your business where you want to go and that show has 
done exactly that. I've been asked to go and sit on, you know, committees now, which is great. It helps my business out. You get to meet people and everyone's the same, I think, because after these meetings, we'll go and sit in the shard, however many floors up in a committee meeting. And then they go, right, we're going to go for a beer. And I'm like, these are my sort of people. And that's where most deals are done. You sit there, have a beer, sort of a bit more in a, you know, uh, not a uh, formal environment. And then you have a beer and you start talking, if you get on well with people, that's yeah. it. So um, you start creating deals. So that was the one thing that came out of the show as well. And people sort of uh, asking me to sit on boards, help veterans out, so on and so forth. So you definitely 100% need to put yourself out there and make uh, connections. And speaking of connections, am I right in saying you was next door whilst filming The Apprentice to Wonder Woman? That's right, yeah. Uh, Gal Gardo, yeah. yeah. To be fair, I didn't really know who she was. And uh, I went out, I think I said, on a Sunday morning. It must have been about half six, seven, because we got the day off. Um, no, it was a Monday morning, actually. And I got up, I had a cup of tea. No one in the house was up because it was our day off. And I stood outside, the sun was shining, had a cup of tea. And I thought it was the cleaner. And <laughs> I'm chatting to this woman. And she's going, you are right, doing not too bad. And I heard she had a bit of a different accent. Uh, yeah, this, that, and the other. I said, oh, nice gaff they've got there. And she was going, yes, yes. <laughs> I didn't realise it was hers. So, um, but yeah, it was quite funny. So that was quite good. And uh, yeah, it was only the other year, actually, um, when I was working in security, I got sent to Israel uh, to do a bit of um, work out there. And when I turned up to a hotel in Israel, I started seeing the England like football badge sign. So I thought, hang on a minute, what's going on here? And then Stuart Pierce walked past me and I was like, oh my God. So I went to the desk and this woman goes, uh, are you part of the team? And I was like, yep. So they <laughs> stuck me on the same floor as the England under 20 team. When I got there, I had uh, Trevor Brookin. He was staying one side of me and I had the football player, Wilfred Zaha, the other side. Wow. I couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, and I managed to get onto the floor. They signed me on this floor and everything. It was secure on the floor and I was just laughing. But yeah, I got to meet um, some of the players and things, which was great. And got to meet Phil Neville, who was uh, an Everton legend. So I sport Everton. And uh, yeah. But that was another thing. And uh, yeah, just put loads of pictures up. I get sort of associated with them. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that is proof, isn't it? That's proof in the pudding right there about staying connected and where it can get you almost instantly by telling a little lie about being connected. That's it. Just be cheeky. Gay. No one's yeah, yeah. No one's no one's hurting that lot. Because I remember Trevor Brooking coming out of a room. I came in, had a few drinks. There was a wedding going on and I sort of got mixed up in the wedding and had a few drinks and things. And uh, yeah, I remember going back to my room one evening and uh, Trevor Brooking was walking past me in the corridor and had a few drinks. And I was like, oh my God, he knows I'm pissed. And I was like, evening, okay. Trevor. And he's like, evening. I was thinking, God, but yeah, um, <laughs> that was funny. But uh, yeah, but as you say, just telling a little white lie sometimes, no one's getting hurt and it helps you out massively. Yeah, no, no, that's it. I agree. I definitely agree with that one. The amount of things that are sort of uh, exaggerated or inflated slightly, but it's a white lie because it gets you to where you was inevitably inevitably going to get to anyway, but you had to sort of fluff it up to get there. So no, I get I can. I see you hear about people who own businesses and said, well, I need to speak to the, I think I heard one story about a guy who said, oh, I've got a box here. I need to speak to the uh, the MD or the director. It's a, it's a watch. And uh, he got through this um, security and secretary and everything. He got to the MD and the box was just a gift for him. But he managed to get in front of the MD of his company. Now he's associated with him and he won a deal out of it. So that, again, it's a little white line. No one's hurt and people respect that. You think, do you know what? If you've had the balls to go and do that, then fair play to you. I want to work with you. Yeah, I love that. What What would you say your one piece of advice would be for young entrepreneurs if you had to sort of like uh, filter it down to one? I would say if you have a passion for something... And, you know, and there can be a lot of people who tell you it ain't going to work. There's going to be mum, dad, brother, sister, other family members and friends. And they'll say, oh, you're wasting your money. Go and get a job. No, if you've got a passion for something and you can see there's a market for it, 
then go for it. Just go for it. Even if it doesn't work. Okay. And two years down the line, you go, oh, all right, it didn't work. At least 10 years down the line, you go, I won't have any regrets because you might look back and go, oh, I've only I'd have done that because another company did that at the same time. And look how well they're doing. So my advice would be, if you've got a passion for something, go for it. Uh, that's the big one. I know it's sort of a bit cliche, but there's so many people who have these ideas and they just never, ever uh, put it into action. Yeah, no, that's the main thing, isn't it? If you've got all these ideas in the world, it doesn't matter unless you take action. Uh, my my yeah. show's called If Only They Knew. So I'm always looking at what are some things that the uh, more established entrepreneurs wish they knew at an earlier stage that could have helped them or perhaps what they wish they could know right now in this moment to get them to the next stage. So is there anything you wish you knew at an earlier stage or perhaps now that could sort of could have or could now change change your career a little bit or change your 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 path? Having the right people in the right places. Now, by that, I mean, if you're a self-employed person, I think you need to go and get an accountant. I didn't know much about tax and things. And, you know, I think there's a book, you know, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it even says in there, you're not taught about money in school. You're taught about things that you're never going to need sort of later on in life. Like, I don't think I've used Pythagoras' theorem since I've left high school. However, no one ever talks about money and accountancy and what you need to do to, you know, make money. And that's the worst thing. I think the education system is flawed and maybe it's designed that way to, yeah, to get people to have jobs rather than start businesses. But if I could go back in time, I would certainly put an accountant in place um, early doors and um, pay for the correct systems. I was basically flying by the seat of my pants for the first two years, just trying to wing it as best we could until we had a bit of cash behind us. And I thought, right, let's put everything in place, implement these systems. And then it just sort of runs smoothly. So that's my uh, probably biggest advice, but it comes down to the money and investing to get these things in place. But get an accountant. That's the first, first rule and learn about tax as well. Because when you take your money out of your business, yeah, there's going to be tax on that once it comes out. It doesn't come out of the uh, bank balance of the business and then go into your account without being taxed. Because I remember getting hit with a big tax bill going, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's a long answer. And I'm, apologies for sort of rambling on there. But yeah, that's the big one. Tax and accountancy. No, that's good. I 100% agree with that one. I'm I'm learning that um, myself now at the minute by yeah pay, having to pay the bills first, like the fines you get. <laughs> And then I'm, I'm trying to backwork that and be like, right, why did I get that fine? Why did I get this one? And then be like, right, I'll never do that again. And then I never it's a nightmare. I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's yeah. in the same boat. Yeah. Every single small business owner is in the same boat when they start a business up. You just see the money going out to HMRC and you're thinking, why am I getting you know smacked for that so yeah man i could i could speak to you all day literally um i could speak for another few hours i feel like you speak so well and I, i'm loving sort of drawing all the advice out of you as well and all your experience one final question to to finish this off what's next for you um whether that's on a personal level or perhaps in, in your in your business life is there anything on the horizon that we can look forward to seeing uh i'm starting a, another business an e-commerce business uh in the next six months and i'm heading to mongolia for wow. three weeks to go and um, search for snow leopards not to catch them or anything just to sort of yeah. see them it's my favorite animal snow leopards they're called the ghost cats they're quite mysterious so uh that's the next big thing so personal mongolia and then another business being set up wow that is amazing well i wish you nothing but the best i'm sure you'll smash Cheers, it Ted. um yeah so yeah well good luck and yeah can't wait to see the uh experience and hopefully yeah hopefully some photos of the snow leopards Thanks for having me on, Ted. Really appreciate you, mate.